Welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. We want to help health visitors stay up to date, so we're here to give evidence-based information and insight into relevant practice issues. We're currently supported by the CPHVA Education Development Trust, McQueen Bursary. Hiya, it's Jenny here. Hi, it's Amy. And uh, we wanted to do a podcast today about inclusive language and a few of the other issues and things that come up around inclusivity. Um, There's been a few bits recently in the press. It feels like it's something which is really, it's almost like everyone's suddenly gone, oh, oh, right, hang on. Yeah. (laughs) There's stuff that goes on that isn't just straight men and straight women yeah oh what there's together. things outside of my experience yeah <laughs> that um, I need to think about yeah that seems and, so unreasonable and the hilarious thing for most people it's not a case you need to really think about it it's just be aware of it and be open to it um yeah but yeah um so we're so, gonna we we'll talk about what we're gonna cover a little bit because um we want to be kind of, I mean, I could literally talk about this topic all day at the moment and frequently do at the moment. So I'm trying to like narrow myself. You know what I'm like, Jen, and I'm going to be watching you for yes. the beady eyes of shorten your sentences, Amy. Yeah, you'll, you'll know if we have a stretch of five minutes where all you hear from me is, yup, that I failed miserably on that. But it'll probably be because Amy is hitting nails on the head one after the other. <laughs> if you hear Jenny go, going Amy it's really high up there on that soapbox now if you could just get down please it's getting boring for the no. rest of us I've got a chat box on the side I can send you messages silently yeah she's discovered this chat box recently folks and I'm slightly concerned about it if I'm honest I'm going to be getting like incessant pings all the way through like hurry it up hurry it up <laughs> No. So if you hear me suddenly, like, in the middle of a sentence, go, and that's all for now, folks, then yeah. <laughs> that explains it. So what are we going to talk about then, Jen? What are we going to talk so, about in this um, podcast? going to talk about um, inclusive language and mm-hmm. um, sort of when, when, well, when should we use it and how should we use it? Um, yeah. Why is it causing so much furore? Yeah. And also, what is it we're really talking about? Yeah. When we say inclusive language. Exactly. Um, and just sort of a thing of thinking about, well, is it something we're seeing or is it not something we're seeing? And a few indicators as to how it might be something that we do need to consider, even if we, even if we think we're in an area where it's not very prevalent. Um, chances are that it, it there is still there are still some people who we need to consider with this and if anything if we're in an area where we don't think it's very prevalent then even more reason for us to be using this because yeah they're probably feeling quite isolated as it is um Absolutely. and so if anything even more so we need to have that awareness we need to be um be considering considerate to these people um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're in an area where you don't think it's very prevalent, then I would be questioning myself if I was feeling that way. Because for sure, I don't think there are any indicators that there's a geographical um, difference in different parts of the country with um, people who identify in different ways in terms of their gender identity or um, 
or anything like that. So yeah, I can't imagine I think, it being a geographically specific no, thing. So no, if you feel that, that way, that would probably suggest to me that it's more likely that the systems and processes that are in place where you work don't account for people to be inclusive. Exactly. And, um, and don't really allow space for that. Um, exactly. Which is all the more reason for you to then be somebody who's aware of this and, and trying to... Yeah. Um, offer your support. I mean, really. I think it, we could always see it as the first bombshell of this podcast is that um, sexuality and gender identity um, and sexual attraction are definitely not geographically. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Linked. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can be I anywhere. Don't think... It's not like, um, oh, I'm female today, but, you know, next week I might move to London and then, who knows, I might become male all of a sudden. It's, it's yeah. not that. It's That's not what this is. It's, it's um, not the move that influences it. It's the, no. the opportunities and the feeling of how accepted Safety. you are going to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so... I think we've kind of got to the bit where we're saying we think of this as a niche thing, but it actually isn't a niche thing, is it really, Jen? Um, yeah. I mean, what we're talking about here in terms of what we want to cover on the podcast, um, inclusive language generally, and obviously within that we're talking about using people's preferred names. So that might not be the name that they were given at birth. It might not be the name they're legally registered under, but it might be the name they prefer. Yeah. Um, and in particular, with that as well around pronouns, if people are identifying with they them pronouns or they're female presenting, but they're ident- they're saying to you they they use he um, him pronouns, then obviously to use those preferred pronouns. Um, and we're talking about gender identity, um, male, female, non-binary, gender fluid, all of the other things that third gender stuff that comes along with that and many different options yeah. and then we're also going to talk briefly about domain specific terms to our field so things around um chest feeding for example being yeah. one example birthing parent being another one as opposed yeah. to mother so a few things right it's things. like it, it's that thing of you know oh, why why do we need these terms and yeah we'll explain how it's not shutting down the language it's actually opening yeah, up further opening up. everything we're talking about is in addition to the the traditional um terms that we are yeah we are using so we think you were saying that we think of this as being a niche thing but it really isn't yeah no so um i did recently um i did an amazing um sort of two-day workshop with um aj at the queer birth club who um aj is on um instagram under the queer birth club really interesting well worth a follow um great great and if you have i know i know they do do training with um health visiting teams and things if you have any budget for doing training on this i would heartily recommend look yeah considering aj contacting them to find out more and one of the things that I found really interesting that they um, that they mentioned during the training was, have you heard of the Kinsey scale? I haven't, no. So Kinsey scale is a, um, it's almost like it looks at sexuality as a continuum. So I think Kinsey was an American guy who okay. roughly researched sex and all its many quirks and things. And mm. the... Um, yeah, the Alfred. So the Alfred Kinsey, Alfred, invented by Alfred Kinsey in the nineteen forties, and the scale plots individuals on a range of sexual dispositions 
from exclusively heterosexual at zero through to exclusively homosexual at six. Okay. okay. Um, the original study had a large number of methods for placing people. Um, but you, Gov, back in, I think around 2015, um, let me just double check the date. Yeah, 2015, they just asked um, a group of. Um, la, 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 la. They just asked people to place themselves on the sexuality scale. Okay. Mm-hmm. So taken as a whole, as in like everyone who they asked, mm-hmm. 72% of the British public placed themselves at the completely heterosexual end of the scale. Okay. Whereas 4% put themselves at completely homosexual, with 19% saying they were somewhere in between. And that's a whole population. Yeah. So, so all ages mixed together. 72% placing themselves at zero, 4% at six, and 19% placed themselves between one and five. And looking at that, we had not, around about 15% thought they were between one and two. I'm really okay. surprised by those numbers, to be honest. Yeah. When it came to the 18 to 24-year-olds... Oh, Okay. How many do you think place themselves at zero at completely heterosexual? Um, I have heard a figure, but I don't know whether it was right. So I'm going to take a gamble on 50%. Okay, yeah. Pretty close. 46% okay. place yeah. themselves at zero. Yeah, that's about what I'd heard, sort of yeah. half... And that's a sexuality, that's sexuality, not gender, yeah. Yeah, 6% place themselves at exclusively homosexual. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah, we've got on this one for the 18 to 24-year-olds, we've got got 8% placing themselves between 3 and 5. Okay. On the scale. Um, And we've got... 35% 35% placing themselves between one and two. Okay. So yeah, that is a massive kind of twist on going compared to the general population. I see, yeah. So what you're saying is this is an evolving thing so, where people are feeling yeah, more safe to be able to declare how they're really feeling. Yeah. And yeah, so, sure. and these are 18 to 24 year olds in 2015. Mm-hmm. So six years on from that, these are the guys that we are probably seeing. Absolutely, they are. Yeah, Absolutely these are, they are thirty-one to twenty-five year olds who we mm-hmm. are, who are probably our prime market that we meet age-wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, having yeah. children, and so we can't really say, "Oh no, it's not happening yet," or "Oh, it's something interesting." Yeah. Yeah, because actually yeah. we could be in a situation where we're meeting these people already. And because it's that funny thing as well. We, are, we absolutely are in a situation where we're meeting people already. Yeah. You, you just don't know that you are. Exactly. And because also when mm. it comes to sort of someone who's pansexual, someone who's bisexual, mm-hmm. how do you know for certain? Oh, you wouldn't know. No. Only The only thing you know is um, who they've... If you if you were in a situation as a health visitor where you're going into a home and you know 
they are telling you this is the father of the baby or this is the mother of the baby or whatever um, and you are making an assumption based on how they present as to their gender then you can make an assumption or you are making an assumption that they're in a heterosexual relationship um, but that's all you know you don't know yeah. that they're not bisexual you just know that the person they've chosen to be with right now is of the op- is presenting as the opposite sex to them Exactly. Um, exactly. And it still doesn't tell you anything about their gender. No. Um, no. So, you know, somebody can present very female and identify as male. It's entirely yeah. possible and not just possible, happens all the time. Completely. Um, Completely. And, and so this is where, you know, when you were talking to parents, it's that thing of saying, you know, when you go in to meet them, because I think it does come down to starting to ask about their pronouns and things. And yeah, yeah. it's that thing where you could have someone who presents looking like female, you know they are the birth parent birthing parent. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, but it, it, unless you ask their pronouns and then when yeah. you ask their pronouns, maybe they say they them. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, oh, cool, okay. So you, yeah, and then and then you open it up and say, Oh yeah, are you non binary? Um, it kind of reminds me a bit of the joke about, I once heard someone say, and I, I have used this myself since, that it's like, you know, Australians get really annoyed, or key, new, people from New Zealand get really annoyed if you ask if they're Australian. People who are Canadian <laughs> get really annoyed if you ask if they're from um, America. America. <laughs> and so anyone who you're a bit unsure of, who sounds a bit Antipodean or sounds a bit, a bit sort of North American, yeah. then you say to them, oh are you from New Zealand or, oh, are you from Canada? Because <laughs> it's less offensive. And it's like, and it's that thing of also, you're then showing some awareness going, ah, oh, you know, I know not all people who sound Loosely like you recognize. are from this place. I know that not all people who sound like you are from that place. Yeah. And it's a similar kind of thing. There is a, a safety thing. in that. You're yeah. projecting so that you, you can, have understanding. Yeah. And I know some guys on their um, ID badges these days have the option to have their yeah. pronouns on. Or you great. can go in to meet someone and go, oh, yeah, by the way, my pronouns are she, her. What are yours? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, for most absolutely. people, for most people, they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, she, her, or oh, yeah, he, him. But for the few you meet who that is a big deal to, that will mean so much. Absolutely. It's hugely significant. It's like I mean, it's way, way less bothered to ask someone who's not bothered about, who just assumes you're yeah. going to know their pronouns straight away. No one's going to take offence to set up being asked. It's what another their form of. Are. It's it's another form of privilege, isn't it? I mean, if you're cisgender, um, then you're actually really lucky to have grown up um, in the being socialised in the gender identity that you identify as. Yeah. Um, so you know that life's very easy and nice for you, and you just assume that everybody thinks that you're female, and you think that you're female, and you feel female, and everything's fine. But actually, if you're in a position where that doesn't apply to you, um, then then you're really at a disadvantage in a new social scenario and might feel very anxious about that. Yeah. Um, so this is a personal thing for me right now. Um, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It so this is one of the reasons it's, like it's kind of come up for a us. a lot as well. Yeah. So um, I have, and I have um, their permission to share as well their story. So... Um, I have a sibling called Spencer who 
was assigned female at birth and lived as Katie for 15 years. And they're now um, 15, just about to turn 16. And um, yeah, have come out as non-binary. Well, that's the label they're using right now. They're still going through a lot of kind of exploration and um, identity stuff, um, which has been tough for them, but also really exciting and interesting. And um, it's a whole journey that they're on right now. Um, and we're using a mix of pronouns for them at the moment. So I'm using they, them. Um, I'm also using he, him. Um, the only one he doesn't feel as comfortable with is her she her that's the only thing he really is certain of is he knows I'm not a girl I'm definitely not a girl um he's not sure whether am I a man am I non-binary am I trans am I third gender am I gender fluid am I queer like I don't know what label is right for me yet but um so we're using so if you hear me use different pronouns that's that's what that is um but I try not to use she, her, but it is tricky, <laughs> well, um, which yeah. is something else we'll come to. But that's been a big deal for us. So obviously it's a name change and a gender change, a whole identity change and um, pronouns change. Um, and we're exceptionally close, um, even for siblings. Yeah. We're very, very, very close. Um, so, you know, they live with me from time to time um, and I'm a huge part of their life. I'm very lucky to say. Um, yeah. And I'm super proud of them. They're doing so amazingly well and navigating such complex emotional things right now um, with such maturity and they're just amazing humans so whatever gender they identify as they're a wonderful human I think (laughs) I was going to say it's been a hell of a year for teenagers anyway well quite and And GCSE year as well for them yeah Mm -hmm. I know best of luck because I know we are recording this beginning of August yeah. And so I know GCSE results are coming out very soon. So keep yeah, your fingers crossed for, it, yeah. for them. And COVID and um, we know well, we've yeah. had particular challenges with my mum in COVID. As you know, she's been extremely um, clinically vulnerable, still is very vulnerable. So, um, yeah, there's there's been a whole heap on their plate this year. Yes. Um, but yeah, they're, they're doing really well. So, so anyway, so the reason I raised that is that this has become a huge issue for me. As, so I'm a cisgender female. I was born female. They, to, when, when I was born, you have a girl, you know, and I still live as a girl and I identify as a girl, um, which, is, which is fine and great for me. Um, but it probably would mean that I would be much less of an ally in terms of this community if it hadn't been for Spencer. So I'm super yeah. lucky to have them in my life yeah. to help me and give me the motivation really to learn about these issues um and and I think actually what I have learned on this topic about it being niche but it actually isn't niche is that everyone we we are around so like you know we're starting to open up in the world now very very hesitantly and you know if we go to a garden center for example or we go out to the park or like the other day we were getting home um and we were just coming in the front door and there was somebody um post post person coming to deliver letters and parcels and stuff and gave me that and then said um had a nice little chat and then said okay bye ladies as they walked off yeah and um and you were with Spencer yeah I was with Spencer and um we walked into the house and I had to kind of turn to him and say oh I'm really sorry about the ladies and he was like oh no it's fine and then we carried on with what we were saying but that is a big that is a big deal and actually um what what doesn't happen is you don't get challenged on that when you make that mistake so that post person then went about the rest of their day not knowing 
not knowing, not having any idea. So the reason I raise that as an example is not because I'm saying, oh, that person's terrible or whatever, but obviously they're just doing the things that we all do all day, yeah. every day, and making making gender assumptions when we see people. Yeah. Um, but the reason I raise it as an example is to, to say to you that if you're listening to this and you think that this doesn't affect you, you're wrong. You're absolutely yeah. wrong because you will have made that mistake mm-hmm. um, without knowing it. And obviously it's asking a lot of that person to challenge you in that moment. Um, and in that case, I didn't know whether they wanted me to challenge it to say, oh, by the way, it's actually um, non-binary. So just so you know, for next time, maybe folks would be a better uh, a better yeah. word to use, you know. Definitely. Um, but but yeah, so I say that as an example to sh- to show people that this is something that is in your life, even if yeah. it's not happened to someone very close to you or it's not a personal experience that you have. It certainly is something that you have come across and you are coming across yeah. all the time well, without knowing when, it. When I did the, um, the workshop and we were in a breakout room at one point and we were talking mm. about um, something that AJ had said mm. and... I didn't even realise I'd done it. And someone else went, um, you know, AJ prefers using they. They, yeah. And I was like, oh, my word, had I, did I say she? And I felt yeah, mortified. Of course. of course. But it was that thing where it was just like, yeah, it's that thing where you, your brain is going to go on to autopilot at times. Absolutely. Um, and because, you yeah, know, we're in an age where, you know, Especially for for those of us, I think a lot a lot of people listening to podcasts are UK based have come through the UK yeah. education system. Yeah. And between the late eighties and right up until two thousand three, mm. there was a, a a thing in place called Section Twenty Eight, yes. which restricted schools from having any educational material, any kind of discussion about anything other than heteronormative relationships yeah yeah um and so we you know it's it's really not our fault that we are fine that many of us are finding this a bit of a weird thing because it's just something that was never discussed that we were only ever modeled these very kind of heterosexual relationships and I know when it was first coming in I think it came in about 1988 and Mm. schools had to remove books there were some books they had had in that mm. weren't promoting gay, you know, gay relationships or anything, but just acknowledging <laughs> they exist. Gay relationships. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. But they were yeah, acknowledging. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I'm laughing that they because that that is they exactly were. the ridiculousness of this kind of law, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, completely. that's exactly the angle. It's coming and out so like queer agenda. Yeah, they weren't even allowed <laughs> to have books in that acknowledged gay parenthood and things. Um, yeah. It was bonkers. It's so sad. And you were saying I was really shocked by how late that was actually repealed because yeah. I didn't know. No, yeah, so it was 2003. So it was initially repealed in 2000. But the legislation, I think, allowing a wider spectrum of relationships to be discussed in schools didn't actually come in in the in England and Wales until 2003. Scotland Gosh. were ahead of the game. It was from 2000 in Scotland. That's shocking. And to be honest with you, I'm saying that's shocking, but actually having had Spence just going through um, high school, I've actually seen how poor they are in, in at this in schools even now. You know, the, the science education, yeah. the sex ed, it just is not inclusive of anything other than the binary, 
heteronormative kind of situation so um we're still not good at that now but for sure all of us were raised with this very um old-fashioned view of we have men and we have women and they have sex with each other but the hilarious (laughs) thing is that i think i would i don't think i get through a single day without at some point using non-gendered pronouns i think we all use non-gendered pronouns all the time so because that is just the way we talk i mean this is something you hear all the time we've heard with spence when um they've been saying to people oh um i actually use different pronouns now you know and having to have bless them having to have that awkward conversation especially with grandparents or whatever and you meet this resistance of but they is plural yeah they means plural that's a group of people um which aside from the fact that the this person has just told you that that's how they identify so that's the one you should be using um rather than challenging them on their grammar but, but even if you take that as a point that's not true is it because we use, use they, they then all the time they, i use they as, as a singular. singular all the time you know mm. we I, I went to the park with the kids this morning mm-hmm. um and that is where arlo learned the trick from a friend mm-hmm. and they showed him how to do the trick yeah and i might say oh what did they what did they teach him and because they, you haven't indicated that person's gender yet, so I don't yeah. know their gender, so I no. use they, them to yeah. refer to them. Or you might but, say, oh, I met a new friend at work. And then the other person might say, oh, really? What was their name? Yeah. Or, oh, Completely. really? Were they nice? Or yeah. what do they do? Or, yeah. oh, make sure you thank them for me. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not this whole big, oh, my word, we're being asked to do something we never do. Yeah. It's just that thing of being a bit more mindful when we do it. Mm. And thinking, questioning whether you actually know someone's gender or whether you've assumed it. Yeah. Um, which I'm trying to do right now um, in this whole process with Spencer. And really, it's really making me question myself, which is brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, I'm lucky to have him in my life to do that. But that has really been a thing that I've found challenging is when you see people in, on the street or, you know, if I'm talking about a character in one of my little girl's books or whatever, and I'm talking about them, um, or I'm, you know, on the, oh, we're at the park. Oh, let's let that child have a go next. Like, I don't yeah. actually know whether it's a boy or a girl. Like, I'm no. assuming from their clothes, yeah. but I shouldn't because exactly. that's not fair, is it, to assume yeah. from their clothes? No. Um, and I think it's something as parents we do all the time. You know, it's that thing where we do often say they, them, because especially toddlers often... You don't know. You don't know yeah. for certain. Yeah. Um, and it's that thing, and I think it also, I think another reason it brings up some discomfort is because it, again, highlights those gender biases we have. Yes. So, like, yeah. I, I, think I can always guarantee... Yeah, I, I Challenging guarantee, themselves with completely. that. Completely. And I can guarantee that it's like, you know, as I was saying about Arlo's friend teaching him a magic trick, that there's already, you know, that's you end up with a, a vision in your head of that going and in a vision in your head you are probably going to have gendered the other child yeah yeah you're so right because you you think about what they're doing and oh it, he was playing with you know, the child and um, arlo yeah. was playing with another child and well arlo's a boy so yeah know, must have been another boy or there'll be some yeah. who have always deliberately gone for that oh well, it must have been a girl because 
it's like you know the subject they're talking about and things yeah well people think oh magic people think magic is like a male gendered thing this is another thing that's made me really cross in the last few months is how many things are unnecessarily gendered in our world like we have no idea that we're using genders to refer to things it's just bonkers that that have no gender whatsoever and when you think about how harmful that is not just for a person who identifies with a different gender than one the one they present but actually for all of us as a society because what's the message we want to be sending to our kids that magic is only for boys and that um the only people that can be strong are men and you know only men are good at sports and only girls are good at emotional literacy and only girls are good at languages and boys are good at maths so if you've got a girl do you want her to learn that she has to be meek and mild and quiet and she has to only follow this kind of path that's been set out for girls and oh, you, you can you know, see that I'm completely doing it's just really, yeah. ridiculous <laughs> yeah. well yeah exactly yeah but it is just that that's so harmful for all of us for girls in terms of limiting them and for boys in terms of limiting them because you're limiting them to this toxic masculine um ideology where you know oh I'm very good at being strong and beefy but actually not very comfortable with my emotions yeah and that might then lead them down an extremely difficult path in life and you know impact on relationships and impact on themselves so yeah this is important not just for the people who identify differently but but for everybody we all need to be better at this and like the other day I was with them my little one and said oh um press the button on the traffic lights and wait for the green man and then went green person because why is it a man why is it a man it isn't a man like I don't what the hell is that about why would it be a man but just because oh it's the green man like yeah there's so much gendering in our world that we don't even know is there man being the default for exactly yeah. yeah and the feminists out there will be already familiar with this argument because why is it always a default man yeah I just don't think what um, I say. I think I just, I don't even say the, the man bit or person bit. I just say, wait until it goes green. Green light, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, you would it would sound odd to you if I'd have said, oh, let's cross the road and wait for the green woman. You'd yeah. have thought, is it like an unusual picture with, like, yeah. a skirt on it or something? <laughs> exactly. But it's that's just, yeah, it's mad. Women wear trousers. I know, like. <laughs> I know. Uh, but we all do I, it, don't we, all the, the time? The only way I know if something's for me is if there's a little triangular-skirted person. Exactly, otherwise you wouldn't know whether you were allowed. <laughs> no, I might be um, So, yeah, I, so this is why it's one reason why it's so harmful to do all these yeah. things and get them wrong. Um... I suppose we're kind of digging into the the whys and the wherefores, which is probably supposed to be the next section. Yeah. So should we, so we, we should talk should we, a lot? I was going to say, I was just waiting for a pause to be able to say, mm. we've we've thrown away, thrown around a few terms already that yeah. some guys may have heard of, be aware of, but I wonder if it's worth us taking a moment to just go through a few of the terms. Yeah. We've got a brilliant um, protocol um, from the... Um, Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine in America Mm. and this uh, clinical protocol number 33 and it's around lactation care um, but it is such a good it's a really good document from the point of view of pulling together a lot of the issues that we're talking about um, today into one easy to follow document 
Um, yeah. You can access it free online. We're linking to it in the blurb. Um, yeah. And it's just so useful for to have all in one place, sort of a lot of the terms and discussion around that um, and discussion around um, some of the other considerations to have as well. Um, yeah. And it's that thing where I think, yeah, when I, it felt like when I was growing up, there were, yeah, it was LG. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, lesbian, gay, and a bisexual, that kind of started to become a, a sort of term I recognised more as I got older. Um, but now we're on to the sort of the TQ and plus as well, aren't we? Yeah, TQIA plus. Is, yeah. if, you, if you say it quickly, it sounds a bit like a, a sort of neighbouring store to TK Maxx, but I know it's very <laughs> different. Um, and sort of, yeah, it does not quite do the same thing at all. Um, but yeah, so, sorry, that's all right. And so, I mean, for the team, we're talking about transgender, um, which is something there seems to be so, so much heat about it. Um, I literally I do moment. not understand the heat. Um, and it's that thing, I think one of the most confusing things that people are often worried that they're going to trip up on mm-hmm. is um, transgender men and transgender women. Yeah. And knowing which is which and ending up misgendering people sometimes by using this, the wrong term. Sure, yeah. So it's it's all about how they're wanting to present. So a trans... It's how they identify, how yeah. they are, how they yeah. feel inside. Exactly. So transgender woman is... A woman. A, a, yeah, completely. Uh, but not... doesn't necessarily... May, may have a penis. Completely. And facial hair. Yeah. Um, or may not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and equally a trans trans man is someone who is wanting to outwardly present as a man is a man. Um but may well doesn't necessarily present that way. No. And may well be a birthing parent. Yes, absolutely. So I think here what we're talking about is the difference between sex and gender, isn't it? So if there's anyone who's listening who doesn't know the difference between sex and gender, um, this is a really fundamental thing to grasp um, and something that we've been explaining a lot recently to elderly relatives. So (laughs) um, we have, when people talk about sex, they're generally talking about genitals, what's between your legs. Do you have a vagina? Do you have a vulva and a womb? Do you have a penis? Um, you know, what what genital organs do you have? That's what you're talking about. And it's the sex is what you would use. That's the word you would use to refer to that. Gender is your identity. So the only person who can tell you your identity is you. That's the only person that will be able to know what their identity is, is that person themselves. And even that person themselves might not know for sure. So, um, and it might change. So, um. The best description I've heard of this is actually from um, a comedian called Sarah Pascoe. I don't know if you've come across her. Yeah. I'm sure oh, I've I recommended Sarah my... Pascoe. I, yeah, I've seen her. I'm sure I've recommended her book before. to you. Yes. But anyone who's not read her book Animal, which is called Animal, an Autobiography of a Female Body, for anyone who's a feminist out there or who has teenage kids, they should all read this. This is literally... If I was to make a recommended reading list for the world, this would be on it, okay? This would be top of it, in fact. Um, And one of the first chapters she has is Are You a Woman in that book? And in there it talks about... um, 
heteronormative language and wanting to be inclusive and um, but actually it, it when she, when she's talking about women she's talking about anyone who identifies as a woman and the way she explains it is how do i know i'm a woman well it's it's who i am inside it's how i feel so it's nothing actually to do with my genitals if tomorrow morning i woke up and i had a penis instead of a vulva i would still be a woman if you did surgery on me and took away my womb and all my internal female organs you took cut off my breasts I would still be a woman yeah whatever you did to the way I look I would still be a woman inside I would still know that I am a woman and that is what you're talking about when you say gender it's who you you are who you feel the way you feel so it actually has absolutely nothing to do with our genitals. Now, the difficult thing is that we use male and female to refer to both the two binary forms of gen of, of, of sex, genitals, yeah. and we also use those same words, male and female, to refer to gender identities, or two different types of gender identities. Um, but as we're learning more, we're discovering that actually it really isn't that simple at all. And to be honest, the fact that they're the same word is very unhelpful. If we had circles and squares instead of male and female for our sex organs, that would be much better. But it's probably a bit late to introduce that. But uh... <laughs> that, would, that would take a bit of work. But I mean, I'm sure you would be the person to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've actually talked about this, Spence and I, and um, even that, you know, because in your mind, what was the circle? Which one was that? You know what? I hadn't even got as far if as If I said a that... circle and square was male and female, which one would be the male picture and which one would be the female? Oh, Don't think about it too hard. Twice. No, Just I know. No, 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 but it would be... Well, reaction. circle would be women, square would be male, yeah. probably. Yeah. That's exactly what it's I gendered. said and that's exactly it's what everyone I've asked gendered, so far yeah. is. So even shapes, which quite clearly not gendered, are gendered. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So we're talking about the difference between sex and gender here. So sex being your genitals and gender being the way you identify. So if you're yeah. a transgender man, you're a man, you identify as a man. That has nothing to do with your genitals. And what we're looking at really is everything at the moment is based very much on your sexual identity. Yeah. So When actually we what, should just scrap sex and just go straight for gender. Well, it depends on it depends on what you need it for, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I think what we what we all need to get used to as a society in general is that some men have vaginas and breasts, and some yeah. women have penises, and yeah. that is just a fact. If you're not comfortable with that, then you need to have a little think, think because that that's just need, the fact. Yeah. Of the what matter. we need to be considerate of is there are men who are going to be need to have cervical screening in years to come. Yes, exactly. Women who are going to need to have prostate screening. Yes. So this is why one of the big reasons why the difference between sex and gender is so important to understand for healthcare professionals because um, we actually need to know both, don't we, really? Yeah. We need to know your assigned sex at birth um, and we need to know your gender identity because we don't want to be hurtful or cause trauma by using the wrong gender for you. Yeah. But also we may need to discuss some aspects of your sexual health with you um, that might be sex-specific to male or female bodily organs. So yeah. it, it's important to understand that difference and to be confident in that difference. So a trans person is somebody who identifies differently from the sex they were assigned at birth. So a trans person identifies as a man 
but was born with female genitalia. Or the other way around, obviously. Yeah. Um, and if you hear us talk about cisgender, that's the opposite of that. So that's when you were born with an assigned a gender at birth, which you still identify as. So yeah. for me, for example, I was born a, a girl, identified as a girl at birth, and I still use female to describe myself and she, her fem- pronouns. Yeah. So that's, you know, how... That's the difference between cisgender and transgender. Obviously, non-binary is a slightly separate thing altogether. So it comes under the transgender umbrella or the queer umbrella, I suppose, might be more accurate. Um, But it is a different identity. And and now there's a lot of talk about third gender, um, non-binary, gender fluid, um, uh, agender... Um, there's different gender identities that are uh, that are rejecting the binary. They're saying I'm neither or I'm both. Yeah, and it's interesting as well when you look back historically. There's so many cultures that have often had something alluded to a third gender. We all have. Yeah, we all we every culture you know, has had it like, because we're all evolved from the same animal, aren't we? Completely, um, and it's something which you know was always yeah was was recognised. And was yeah. always sort of oh yeah okay that yeah that things aren't that straight. <laughs> Do you know what my granddad said when we told him about Spence, which really yeah. resonates with what you've just said? Is um, he said, oh well, we didn't have this in my day. You know, this is new to me. We didn't have this in my day. And then he went, well, all we had was tomboys, and you know they were girls, but we they used to just dress as boys, and we used to just, you know, they used to play football with us and stuff. But they all went on to be women. And then he went, I think actually I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny because you literally saw him having that thought process of oh, wait a minute, maybe they didn't go on to be women. <laughs> yeah. Am I and still then... in touch with any of them? Did I yeah, go to exactly. any of their Do weddings? Do I actually know? Oh, Do yeah. I actually know? So, and I think what's important now is that actually people are feeling safe. Some yeah. people, still not everyone, but some people are feeling safe to be able to talk about the fact that they identify differently. And you do need to feel safe because transgender community are still the most targeted and the most at risk of everything they are the most um what's the right word um bashed i feel is bashed yeah is a good one but they're the most kind of vilified they're seen as it's it's in the press it's such a um controversial label when you haven't signed up for that and you didn't want that necessarily um or nobody wanted it you know and 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 you're also associated with a whole heap of risks that you weren't you know that you wouldn't be if you were cisgender you know it's a different it's um a less much less privileged position to be in it's a different form of disadvantage just like ethnicity or um any any other yeah. form of disadvantage and it's that thing as well where when there is anticipation of a difficult journey a difficult mm. experience mm. what happens you clam up so in this um protocol fear, yeah, it fear. talks about the discrimination in healthcare settings and yeah. that some do not self do not self-disclose their lgbtq plus identities yeah uh, transgender 
um, patients in particular have a history of experiencing discrimination and even violence in healthcare yes. settings. Yes. And um, in a US study, one third of transgender individuals reported having at least one negative healthcare experience. Mm-hmm. And in that same study, nearly one third of individuals reported that none of their healthcare providers knew their gender status. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't and surprise it has me. Massive implications for like misdiagnosis and treatment. Um there's so much kind of aggression out there that it can be a very scary place actually to Definitely. to be in those shoes and realize actually do you know what I'm not a girl or I'm not a boy that's not yeah. right for me and and that's a very very scary thing very scary to then tell people that so um when we make assumptions and we use people's gender without knowing or without checking with them first um we're projecting that it's not a safe space for you to tell me that. By making that assumption, we're adding to that feeling of awkwardness and that feeling of fear that that person already has. Um, so, or obviously may have. For some people, it's a much more well-established identity for them and you know they may be more comfortable with people making those mistakes. But for a lot of people, it really might be very, very traumatic and very difficult for them. Um, certainly, you know, if you look at the risks and the um, disadvantages that trans community are at in general, um, these are UK um, stats. And in terms of the actual harm that transgender people experience, mm. um, we've got... More than four in five, 83% of trans young people have experienced name-calling or verbal abuse. 60% threats and intimidation. More than a third, 35% physical assault. One in four have attempted to commit suicide. And 89% have had thoughts of the suicide. 72% have self-harmed at least once. Jeez. Two in five have been threatened with or attacked with violence in the last five years. Yeah. In healthcare, almost half, 48% of trans people in Britain have attempted suicide at least once. Oh, my word. And 84% have thought about it. More than half have been diagnosed with depression at some point. Yeah. And that's trans people in Britain generally. So you've got a one in two... um, attempted suicide rate there so in reality when we're talking about this and it seems to us like oh yes i really should get on that oh yes i really should try harder no no this is really important yeah this is life-threatening for somebody potentially so actually you know i'm not saying you making a mistake with one misgendering is life-threatening but what i'm saying is all these little aggressions that are in their world all of the time and they're swimming upstream all the time and constantly having to be different and having to be scared all the time is really really harmful Um, and you being part of the solution is a really lovely and caring thing to do um so you know we're all caring people in healthcare hopefully we all care and we want to be kind and be respectful um and this is just about respecting other people and being kind to them and i think it's that thing as well where you know it's even if we're meeting at a point where things feel like they're more settled, feel like, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're having a, a baby and that maybe 
we feel with the challenges they're faced to do that, then this must, you know, you, the assumption would be this must be a really happy, satisfying time for them. But actually, it's like, you know, that we have to acknowledge mm. that they've potentially been through this. And it's yeah. working out how to ask around that. Because one of the interesting things that in the, um, in the, the Queer Birth Club training was around feeling a frustration that they felt more closely under watch from health visitors mm. because of their their sexuality right. and their um their their gender but the same and and not wanting to have that sort of additional attention just because yes but to actually be able to um access that further support if needed to have it if almost needed. in a way, on their terms to yes. have that because recognizing that they did need it and getting that balance Right, which it I really think is reminds really me tricky. Really tricky for the health professional, for sure. And I think probably is about that spirit of genuineness and that kindness and empathy that we're showing um, and reaching out. And it also probably is about being a bit comfortable with it yourself. So if yeah. you know this is something you're not massively comfortable with, have some conversations with people and, and try and learn a bit. Read some stuff. You know, it's not difficult to Google these things. I'm going to link no. to some useful stuff in our blurb. Um, and just um, listen to some radio shows where people are using different pronouns and talking about different gender identities. Yeah. Try and familiarise yourself with that world because then when you're in that situation... Um, you're just going to be more competent and more confident yeah. and then that person's going to feel more comfortable with you yeah. um, and that would probably make a big difference but it's really um, interesting because you're right in the sense that this probably or possibly for a parent who identifies with a different gender um, might be a time when they could be expecting to feel super happy and this is a journey that we've been on for a long time and we finally got there or whatever but at the same time it actually might be a really challenging time for them because lots of people who identify transgender have a lot of um, body dysmorphia and body dysphoria um, which are terms that basically um, briefly refer to negative feelings um, or dissociated feelings with you about your own body um, and as a trans um, person that might be something which is quite a big part of your life or it might be something that isn't a big part of your life but if you're a trans man for example um, then you were assigned female at birth as a trans man and it, you may be the birthing parent and actually that process of pregnancy and birth might have been a very challenging one for you and now the process of feeding your baby might be a very challenging one um, it might be something you're wanting to explore and it might be something you're not wanting to explore um, but certainly yeah. It's not a given that this will be a wonderful time and actually there might be additional pressure on you to want to feel like it is the perfect time. It's sort of reminding yeah. me, you know, of the episode we yeah. did with Brie around adoptive parents where there's this expectation of um, wanting to be it to be perfect for, for us but actually it hasn't necessarily... I don't necessarily feel that and that makes me feel additional pressure. And I think, yeah, and it's interesting because I think there are unique intricacies i don't think any two cases can be just dumped in the same basket. absolutely but i feel like between there are there are definitely similarities mm. between trans parenting um adoptive parenting and i would say ivf yeah. parenting yeah in there as well sure where there are 
quite often additional pressures, mm. additional eyes watching yes. from society. And Feeling things. a bit more scrutiny. Yeah. Mm. But it's interesting because it's like I'm in the process at the moment of um, looking at setting up a free-to-access um, group in the village I'm living in now mm-hmm. um, with the local council. There's been pressure from parents onto this newly... My friend who's a newly elected local councillor about looking at providing more for families in the village because given the size of the village, it's amazing. There hasn't even been... Um, health visiting clinics like fortnightly mm, mm. um and so she's been looking at um getting space for me to be able to do a free to access lovely um drop in and it's that thing where actually it's that funny thing where you're becoming more inclusive without realizing it mm-hmm. and because i've been talking about it as an infant feeding group yeah because actually that is such a much more inclusive term yep sure than calling it a breastfeeding drop in. yeah sure because actually, it's, you know, we know statistics are that majority of parents can't be feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so I want it to be Don't inclusive exclude to anyone. them. Yeah. And then also, that's actually then inclusive to anyone, no matter Parent. whether they're yeah. breastfeeding, chest feeding, parenting, mothering. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like it's it's a really sort of catch-all term, which is really good. But also, it's that thing where it, it's like that meme about you know what if I fall and what if you fly mm-hmm. and there are going to be times when you do fall you know mm-hmm. and oh yeah it's a thing where we're not going to be 100% on top of this all the time no absolutely and so yeah, there will be times and I I've, I know that I've done it myself where I mentioned earlier about a time and I've misgendered someone or you know you may find you're using the wrong um records or anything for someone and that you suddenly find that you've got the wrong name we know how difficult it is sometimes between midwifery and health visitor communication yeah to give the correct address yeah let yeah. alone possibly the correct name yeah. and any you know, useful information like that so we may you know it's it and it it is really hurtful to the client to do that mm. and we not we have to acknowledge that and yeah if it's done intentionally that could completely sever the I relationship, mean, yeah. make them lose trust very quickly, make them want to disengage. If there's anybody um, who's considering doing that intentionally, intentionally using the name other than the preferred name oh or the pronouns other than the preferred pronouns, if you are listening to this, if I don't think there would be, but if there is anyone listening to this with that as their intention, then you need to have a real serious think about this. You know, yeah, really, yeah, you really do. Definitely. Um, if it's done accidentally, then you know, acknowledge it, correct yeah. what you're doing, what you're saying, but don't dwell on it. Yeah, don't make a huge deal. Actually, yeah. dwelling on it is almost worse than doing it in the first place. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 annoying, isn't it? Because also, you know, the person well, you're talking then, to is then like, it's all about that, and it, it's, that's exactly. not the point. Exactly. Exactly, and it's like if they're then dwelling on it, you're not then going to want to open up. To yeah, either. that's almost as bad as getting you know. Getting it's a really clue wrong, to the fact that you're not comfortable really as well, isn't it? If you're like, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm so, I'm so, yeah. I'm so, so Definitely. sorry. And also, yeah. you can end up in that scenario in a bit of a dynamic where um, the person who's just been misgendered ends up reassuring you. <laughs> Oh, completely, <laughs> completely. Which is obviously not, it's not. It's actually not about we're, you. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're English, it's in yeah, our yeah. default position to be hugely apologetic. Yeah, but, but 
No. Yeah. No. So if you get it wrong, right. just say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, I used the wrong gender or it's so-and-so, isn't it? Or, you know, yeah. I literally do this on a, a weekly basis with Spencer. I'll use not so much the name anymore, but the wrong pronouns I do do, especially when I'm talking yeah. about a memory of something happened when he was a baby or exactly. something like that. It's so difficult not to get the pronouns yeah. right. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I said I said she. Or, or you know, we're talking about... Um, it could be like another word, like not she, her, but like I might say, I don't know, darling. I said darling the other day. I yes. called, I called, yeah. I called them darling, and um, and then I was like, oh, something more masculine, <laughs> matey. <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to use? Like, and we I had a laugh know. about I it, thought, but you know, I mean, darling is definitely more kind of. Yeah, I, I he actually have, said, uh, oh yeah, no, darling's fine. But I was going to say, I, I know of plenty of darlings who've been darling who are very. Loki. I mean, quite the whole of the, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Quite a few, quite a few theatrical types. Yeah, who, uh, that's true. Darling, maybe I should have emphasized it all like that. Yes, darling. We need to do lunch at some point. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know if there's not... be a, there might not be a British film industry if you um, <laughs> use the darling. Yeah. But yeah, and then, and I think most people. In fact, I haven't come across anyone in this community who's going to get then like massively antsy about this. If you make a mistake, you apologise for it, and you then clearly make an effort to get it right. Yeah, that's what matters. Exactly. Then make an effort to get it right. That's all yeah. you need to do. Completely. Okay, so I guess we've talked a bit about the debate there haven't we i suppose the only thing kind of that people might come up against as an argument against using um more inclusive terminology like um you know using chest feeding as opposed to breastfeeding or birthing parent as opposed to mother um is people say that it is um kind of an anti-feminist thing to do don't they you know there's this argument bandied around that we've had to fight hard to get um, female-bodied terms being used widely, and this is undermining the good work that's been done by the feminist movement to include those terms and champion women's bodies and women's rights. Which feels a bit weird to me, because, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's the particular feminism that I relate to, but... There's all, mm. all been a lot of talking that I, I've really loved in, over the years about feminism being something about looking for equality for all. Yes. And yet then this yes. argument seems yeah. to be going completely Very much against the point. Yeah. equality for all. Mm. I know. I think the danger always with these things is that um, you can get so into your own little world that you fail to see somebody else's and I massively identify as a feminist as you know and anyone who listens to this podcast would know um and I don't consider that to be mutually exclusive with being a queer ally um in any stretch um I think that actually they're very um complementary and of course like feminists would be queer allies because it's just another vulnerable and marginalized group isn't it and and in reality as you say a group that are looking for equality and respect is that not what we're looking for and a lot of the um the unfeminist issues seem to be around use of the word woman and but also Mm. around 
use of more sort of non-binary terms around everything. I mean, the thing with Millie Hill recently has really kicked off, hasn't it? Um, Where she talked Mm. about um, obstetric violence being something that Mm. only only affected women. And the argument Mm. there is, you know, for a lot of guys who are non-binary, and even if they are in what appeared to be a heterosexual relationship in that their partner is looking appears to be male. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the sexuality. No. Again, gender and sexuality exactly. two totally different things. Um but it's that thing, you know, if you have someone who is non binary who is um expecting a baby, then they don't see themselves as a woman and yet they can still be impacted by obstetric violence. Of course. Yeah. And it was just the way mm-hmm. that I think Millie got you know, had several people who were good friends with her and knew her well who sort of said, um, mm. do you want to yeah. maybe alter what you're saying there? Hold That's on a minute. just not quite right. Yeah. She was, You've yeah, perhaps not she thought completely about this. Yeah. dug her heels into the ground, which I wish I could say mm. isn't something I've experienced with Millie Hill before, but um, having tried to tackle her on her very outdated views on health visiting and our advice around safe sleep advice, and encouraging parents to lie mm. about how they were yeah, sleeping remember, yeah. and really not responding to me taking up her up on this and saying, actually, you know what, you know, we, mm. yeah, and don't yeah, lie to your health visitor, please, please don't have lie to us. Relationship when yeah. they're also wanting parents to have better support and things with mental health issues, it's like, well, if you're encouraging them to lie, they're not then going to want to go to that person to get that help, are they? Um, Absolutely. I think it's I think it's a really widespread misconception and people seem to think that by saying we want to include terms like chest feeding um, we're somehow excluding anyone who uses the term breastfeeding which of course is not the point at all it's an inclusive thing not an exclusive thing we're not asking you to refer to everybody as chest feeding and never use the word breastfeeding no. again of course not because I'm breastfeeding right now I'm breastfeeding my two and a half year old and I identify as a woman and I, I use the term breastfeeding so it would be strange to me if you asked me what term I used I said breastfeeding and then you proceeded to use chest feeding that would be weird as well but it's it's just it's about using the term that that person feels most comfortable with and ultimately for me you can cause trauma and harm by using the wrong term if you use breastfeeding when someone is actually having a lot of body dysphoria um, but you're unlikely to cause me trauma and harm if you said chest feeding about what I was doing with my baby. Yeah, I'm not going to be yeah. traumatised. I might say, oh, I use breastfeeding. But beyond that, it's no. not going to affect my day. Um, Whereas for somebody who's vulnerable, that might be a really yeah. big deal the, for them. So yeah. think carefully and, and be kind. You know? is, and it, we'll, we'll add it in the, in the blurb because it's very easy to find. There was a lot of controversy about um, documentation that, that midwives and healthcare professionals had worked really hard on um in Brighton Mm. I mean we know what it's like when you're developing new protocols and things you don't really get any protective time to do this so a lot of them were doing this in their their spare time their evenings their weekends their days off to get this prepared and the the mass media Mm. went to town on it by not reading it properly And there is no point. So inappropriate. Saying, the headlines were completely ridiculous, ridiculous and heartbreaking. compared to what they were actually doing. 
Um, because they were they took mm. almost the complete opposite of what this guidance was doing, and yeah. shouted that. It's totally um, inappropriate. And so yeah, do have a look at it and review. It's a really good one to look at to to consider your own your own practice and things. Practice, um, yeah. And it's that thing where you know, we and you know, we were discussing it earlier. We were saying that you know our computer systems lag behind where we're at, oh, and the computer yeah. says no is really not an excuse for um, for not no, looking yeah. at how to document this because we know if you if you within your team or even maybe individually at first come across this and and like work out how are you going to still document what this family's reality is what the what their their mm. position is what the makeup of the family mm. is you know it's only by doing that mm. in your written records that you then can build evidence to go look you know what this isn't fit for purpose we cannot have yeah you know, why do we have to have mother why can't we have you know parents or Parent birth and as well it's as an, an option it's an issue when it comes to adoptive parents and especially you know mm-hmm. and same-sex parents you know, it's yeah. an issue we're already or facing. Or other, and then a, a free yeah. text box. Um, so for sure, if you're in a trust, which I imagine is all of us really, where there isn't really much scope for this in your um, documentation, then obviously yeah. challenge that and raise it. You know, if you have a a team that works with the electronic system or you have the opportunity to influence that, then then do that. Fire off an email, get involved if you feel able to. Um, But even if you don't feel able to do that or even while you're waiting for that to, to take shape, have a think and have a look at your system and find a way to flag it. And that might be by using, um, a, a, a flag system or something which is designed for something else you know just each time you hit that problem or in the day text saying was not able to actually sure sure but i mean in that yes you're right but i mean in that person's record um, so that when other people go on to to view that person's record it flags up that they're non-binary and they use they them pronouns so that that person doesn't have to keep explaining that every single time they speak to a healthcare professional and i don't mean bury it somewhere in the free text so that they have to read back through six months worth of notes before they see it because obviously nobody's going to do that i mean somewhere on the cover page with the name and the address you know that's going to come up straight away when you open that record something visible and we sometimes use that page for all sorts of things like i've been into people's records and seen a note that says um um, must have an interpreter yeah. for this language or a note that says house is really yeah. hard to find and then you know like I've seen all sorts of notes on that page so actually you know think outside the box yeah. find a way like you say computer says no is not an excuse like we we prioritize other things and we find ways of sharing information with other things um, if someone had a protected address and you weren't able to yes. divulge that address, you'd find a way of flagging somewhere very visibly that you weren't a you weren't allowed to divulge yeah. that address somewhere on their page on their demographics. Um, so do the same with this. Treat it just as seriously and just as importantly. It's not it's not yeah. a flippant thing. It's a big deal. 
Was there anything else you wanted to pull out of the guidance documents? Because yeah. I know you've read them I mean, more thoroughly I think than me. It's one of those things where I think They're both very it, good. Like I could talk about this guidance document for ages, but I think it's probably not quite. Mm. Um, I think, but what I would say is just to highlight that it is an amazing, the thorough document to look at, and I think some of the things that really come out mm. of it is about looking at, mm. thinking about again those additional challenges that these families will have faced mm. um we talked we touched on the whole thing with um with lactation especially with um trans men about issues around mm. um body um dysphoria and how if mm. they're wanting to to feed the baby themselves they have to then continue to stop their testosterone which can then lead to their body changing shape their voice changing which are pretty big. I mean, you yeah. said to yeah, if I if you said to me, oh yeah, if you want to feed your baby, then yeah, you yes. you might actually find your body you have to your go body on changing shape to become more like the opposite sex to what you identify with, and your voice is going to change and be more like the opposite mm-hmm. sex that you don't identify mm-hmm. with. It would be a bit of a like, oh, hang mm-hmm. on, yeah, that's something. Yeah, yeah it's quite completely. a big barrier. Yeah. Plus, they um, you know, they may have had um, top surgery. Um, and I think even that thing, I think for so many people anyway, when they look at wanting to feed and there's always something that comes up and bites them by surprise about feeding they hadn't taken on board, mm. they hadn't imagined would be an issue. Mm. I think for trans um, parents, this can be heightened because they're, they're experiencing that on top of everything else. That, yeah, they've not got as much yeah. resilience as, um, as someone else may have. Um, Perhaps if they've had yeah. top surgery, then or if they're um, binding their chest, these can also cause issues. They may experience, um, and even if they're not wanting to feed baby directly themselves, they may still experience engorgement. They still could be at risk of mastitis. Um, they yeah, particularly yeah, when binding, and, yeah, binding and um, and they could also have um, issues with supply, even if they are wanting to feed directly it may impact how effective their supply is and what establishing their supply looks like. Um, there's also the thing with, um, with some LGBTQ plus parents, they may be looking at inducing lactation or even co-lactating. Mm-hmm. And the issues that may yeah. bring here, it's um, to induce lactation, often need a lot of support in the antenatal period. Um, need to have a GP willing to prescribe drugs that can sometimes be tricky to even get prescribed yeah. if you're a, a cis heterosexual woman with an issue with if you've got yes. hyperplasia if you've got insufficient Supply. breast tissue yeah. it can be a struggle to get these drugs um, prescribed so it's that thing of having that extra mile to go with finding someone to fight your corner and obviously yes. it goes without yeah. saying that a lot of IBCLCs would be able to, to help to um yeah advocate advocate for you with this and help to build a plan um lucy ruddle friend of the yes. podcast has um a wonderful yes. book about relactation <laughs> which also helps to um consider issues around inducing lactation, Induced lactation. and with the co-lactation mm. it's on that issue of how to establish supply from two parents rather than one and the importance of the frequency mm-hmm. of feeding the pumping regime yeah, and deciding that who's going to do more feeding directly, who's going to be pumping, and mm-hmm. just really working mm. to get that established. 
Um, and also those feelings that can throw up between you about, you know, how does it feel to not always be the one who's directly feeding baby? You know, it's it's mm. it's tricky. It's not just as simple as, oh, it's brilliant. It means if I pop to the shops, then my partner can feed them. There's a lot more that goes on, mm. a lot more um, thought that is needed than just that sort of that basic level, which I think for a lot of them, they, mm. they would realise. Um, but again, it has to be discussed. You can't make assumptions just because they're talking about wanting to do That's these the things. Point, isn't it? it doesn't mean that they've got all the information to hand. It doesn't mean they've got a, a clear plan that they've made themselves. You know, you may need be in a situation of need yeah. support guys to do this and so you need to know where to go for the information as well that's it and you might not feel well equipped to deal with some of these things like these are specialist um feeding issues often um but you know it's like anything isn't it we often i think this all the time with health visiting that i come across something on my caseload i've never come across before maybe a particular medical diagnosis i've never worked with or a scenario i've never come into contact with and then actually because i have a child now on my caseload with that condition I learn about it because that's what we need to do and I think this is the same as that really this is about you just treating this as another thing that is important for you to learn about as part of your role um and like you say not making assumptions I think if there's one thing probably um that I would love if we could all start to do a little bit more of it would be to ask about gender early in the interaction um, and not assume that you know their gender by looking at them because you no. absolutely don't. And I'm aware how tricky, yeah. Um, and just asking a simple, when you're asking their name, when you're asking their date of birth, when you're asking their address, you know, when you're checking their demographics with them, their phone number, oh, and, um, you know, maybe have a demographic card and how do you identify in terms yeah. of your gender? Or what gender do you yeah. identify with? Or, you know... How do you refer to yourself? What pronouns do you use? And that is just so helpful because if you then get somebody who you would have assumed one gender and they give you something different, you then know straight away, right, okay, brilliant. So this is something then that I might need to explore in a little bit more detail depending on what the nature of the interaction is. But if it's a new birth, this is something I might need to talk about in terms of feeding. Or if it's an antenatal, this is something I might need to talk about in terms of the birth or the birth planning. Or, you know, this then becomes something that you know is important for that family. And it may well be doesn't necessarily but it could Definitely. be a huge part of their world and so it's, yeah. it's important for you to know it and you won't know unless you ask but what i'm what i'm thinking is along the lines of you know that um famous quote about pain you know, pain is what the patient says it is when they say it is however strong yeah. they say it is you know queer is yeah. what the queer says it is how they describe it as <laughs> when they describe it as you know and because I think that's yeah that's where, so true and I think especially um so AJ who does the the um the queer birth club is non-binary uses they them pronouns but yeah. appears in a heteronormative relationship because she's in a relationship yes. with a man who yeah. describes himself as bisexual right and they described how it was really tricky at times you know almost feeling yeah. not queer enough and yeah. that's singing we talk about this and it may be that the queer families we encounter we may not you even have know. thought of as queer absolutely and it's actually having those you know eyes wide bit wider if you met spence yeah you would assume 
that they were a cisgender female. They might be wearing a skirt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean anything no. um, other than, oh, fancied wearing a skirt this morning. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So it doesn't... And I think... Um, you're so right about there's and and there's another thing that people say which is there's as many non-binary gender identities as there are human beings in the world yeah. because it's different for every single person and that you can't make generalizations no. and no we're blind, and why would you, we need to if you if you wrote a list of every characteristic a female has about to a have, human yeah i would be case. like oh god i don't know if i actually meet all of those but I feel like I do identify as female. If you gave me a list of yeah. male characteristics, I'd prob- there'd probably be a few of those I identify with. I mean, cracks in my Absolutely, in my family because I do I do the driving. I'm the one who does oh, the dumb do you trips. Know what? My husband is much better at being tidy and cleaning up stuff <laughs> than I am, cleaning. and he'll be the one who's stressing about the state of the house. I'll be the one going, yeah. Look, but there's no such thing as women's characteristics and men's characteristics, are there? They're just characteristics that we all have. And some of us have them to greater or lesser degree than others. It's actually got nothing to do with what's between your legs. Definitely. Like, you know, we need to get over this because it's actually not important. Um, It really reminded me when you said about um, pain is what the patient says it is. Um, it's it's so weird that we have to even have this conversation, to be honest, in some ways, because you feel like, actually, if if I introduced myself, like, say you went to a, a parent and um, you did a new birth visit, many of us will have had this experience, and you go to the new birth and they say, you say, oh, so it's so-and-so, you said oh, to me, oh, it's Amy, yeah. and I said to you, oh, no, actually, um, I prefer AJ, immediately you're going oh okay great thanks and you're just writing that down exactly why is it so different if somebody is telling you they prefer a name which is a different gender why do we then feel the need to question them or ask them are they sure or like ask them to prove it in some way which is the reaction that people get and non-binary community get or the trans community get all the time oh it's Amy, isn't it? Oh no, actually, it's Robin, or actually, it's Spencer, or whatever. Um, is it? Are you sure? Uh, well, yeah. Last time I checked, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. And also, I've just told you it is. So, yeah. is it any of your business? Yeah. Like, just call me by the name. It's rude. Yeah. <laughs> just call and me by the name. I've asked you to call all me. All these sorts of things feel uncomfy at first. So when I worked in children's A and E. We brought in, um, we had the, you know, it's a lovely time when your computer system all changes. And mm. as one of the mandated questions, we had to ask all families, you couldn't proceed on the, the template without asking them whether they had a social worker. Mm-hmm. And there was much disquiet and discomfort with this and much kind of, oh my word. <laughs> yeah. But you know how quickly it just became an absolutely normal, normal. thing, and how it yeah. actually took the took the <gasps> out of it because yeah. you were asking absolutely everyone, yeah. and you would have that thing where the parents would then always like take a breath out and go, yeah, yeah, we do, and you know, kind of very yeah. rarely would they, and if they were ever a bit prickly with it, it'd be that thing where we would be able to say, well, we, it is something we ask everybody, it's just one of our literally we questions. ask everyone, Same it's as part we of ask our you, you know, you've not been funny about telling us your address, you've not been funny about telling us your GP, 
Yeah, it's that thing. Yeah, but and it's it gives it normalizes it Definitely. like you say and it shows the person you're talking to that it's actually fine to discuss this issue with me. It's the same as any routine inquiry. Exactly. Routine inquiry for domestic abuse or yeah. FGM or yeah. whatever. You know, clearly those are all <laughs> negative things and I'm not suggesting that anything thing, different the interesting, gender identity well, is a negative thing. It's actually not. It's a wonderful well, thing, of course. The interesting but thing it, was how many you would then <laughs> find out had social workers but things because yeah. they had a disabled another child at home who was disabled yes or they had it because yeah they had an adult they, social yeah. worker because of x y or z yeah. reason or, or whatever. because yeah. they, the parent was a care leaver and so they still yes. had some support there and so it's that thing mm-hmm. where it's like you know you actually open out more but it's exactly that thing of it, it then becomes a normal thing to ask yeah and, and that's what and we need you it know it becomes like we're for that family as well they then were like oh okay you know it's yeah, if someone's asking, then maybe it's something which is more common than we thought. Yeah. Yes, and and gives that person who you're talking to the confidence of knowing that you care enough to ask, um, and showing that you care by asking is exactly. is important. So, hopefully. If you're not comfortable with this, then count yourself as a normal person because I think a lot of people are not comfortable yeah. with this. And, and actually, unless you are living in it, it, it isn't something you come across yeah. all the time right. um, yet. Hopefully it will be. But try and get comfortable with yeah. it a bit. And I, you know? I really hope this has helped make helped you feel a bit, a bit yeah. more comfortable about it and yeah, mm. taking that, that sort of have the chance to have a look um, and I mm. think this episode would be really good to do. Um, we've, we've got now got certificates that we can give you, send out to you oh, yeah. for your CPD. So if you listen mm. to today's episode, um, look up a bit about the um, links that we're um, linking to in the blurb. Yeah. And then write a reflection on what you feel mm-hmm. that you've learned and how it's going to impact your practice. And send yeah. that to us for a CPD certificate. Because yes. out of your 35 hours of CPD that you have to have for revalidation, up to 20 of those can be self-directed. So listening to us does actually come under yep. that. And we have, um, there are, we've not got our own template for you to do your reflection, I'm afraid. I've not quite gone that far. Um, but also because the <laughs> NMC... I think it's better to use yeah, the NMC one. The NMC have got yeah. a great one. Um, that we link to. If you've seen, if you're um, following us on Instagram, you may have seen this a little while back that I posted about this and did link mm. to the, the NMC revalidation um, website. But if you look up on there and fill out the reflection, send it to us at our email, I am a, a health visitor at gmail.com. And yep. then we will get a certificate back to you. Just let us know how many hours you worked on it. So obviously you can count the hour that you've or so that you've listened to the podcast. And I think typically mm. it's like another hour or so for work after listening to the podcast and that all counts towards your revalidation yeah absolutely um and if you've made any changes in your area like you know you've written to the rio team or spoken to the emis people about introducing another box other than just male and female or mother and father or um, even just a pronouns question completely yeah yeah Exactly. Um, if you've done any of those things, then 
you know that all counts as reflection and learning and changing and developing and obviously is great in terms of changing service delivery and looks brilliant for future employers and all those types of things and um if you want to you can go onto your own social media profiles you can update your pronouns um you know especially almost if your pronouns are in line with the way you present because actually we need everyone to be doing that so that again it normalizes it so that if you're the one who does it that doesn't make you strange or unusual yeah um, because everyone's doing it exactly. um, and it just makes those people that are in that vulnerable position feel that little bit more comfortable definitely um, so yeah go and update your twitter to say just after your name she her yeah um or however you identify and there's loads of them isn't there we didn't even mention this but there's like z zim and there's all sorts of yeah <laughs> wonderful combinations of pronouns yeah, exactly um exactly. that people use so Cool. Try to use the one that people feel comfortable with. Brilliant. Oh, thanks for that. Oh. That was a lovely episode. I enjoyed that one. As I said, mentioned a little bit earlier, you can email us. I am a health visitor at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Our web our page on Facebook is I am a health visitor, unsurprisingly. And on Twitter and <laughs> Instagram, we're at I am a HV. Um, and yeah, do get in touch if you have any further ideas or queries um or anything we're more than happy to hear from you and uh, and do spread the word take care in the meantime bye for now thanks for listening everyone bye